Preachers missed it in 2019. They missed what 2020 was. Now, as soon as the pressure is lifted, look at them. They're reverting back to the words, the conferences, the focus, the emphasis that fooled them before. And I look at them and I said, you were fooled by that before. Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America. And that clip was Mario Murillo, the well-known evangelist and minister from California. He travels the country uh, preaching the gospel and seeing God move. We're going to take another look at what he has to say here at the end of this podcast, a more fuller uh, portion of that interview that he was he was taking. But... As he said, we don't want to be fooled. The comments that he gave uh, that you just heard, uh, those were 2019 going into 2020, and he is specifically um, giving those in light of being at the end of 2021, going into 2022, we do not want to be fooled. And so with that spirit and heart, uh, I want to, with some help from a friend, put some warnings out there for 2022. So again, we're not fooled at, at what's at what's coming in. To help me do that is Laura Smith. Welcome, Laura. Hi, Dave. It's great to be here. Thanks for yeah. having me. And Laura, it's especially good to have you back here after a, a long hiatus. Um, I just was really encouraged that, you know, in that you've walked with God all these years, you have a uh, a gift at just looking at what's in the Bible and what's going on in our culture in America at large or in the world and discerning the hours. So, uh, Laura, thanks for being on. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be here. Looking forward to our conversation. Well, before we jump in, I just want to remind everybody uh, to like and subscribe. We're here at Insights every time to warn the nation and to help you respond in faith. And so, uh, like, subscribe, make a comment. Um, YouTube likes that. We like to hear what you have to say as well, but we want this message to get out to more and more people. Now, Laura, before we jump into warnings for 2022, there's actually some things we can look at in the last year that we're encouraging. I think it would be great just to spend a few minutes and talk about those things. Um, anything on, on your heart from this the last 12 months? Yeah, you know, I think it's been really good to see us get back to some some kind of normal, you know, life again. You know, it's great that people could get back to work and get back out of the house and um, begin to have um, gatherings with families and do weddings again and things like that. So it's been it's been really nice to see that. It, it's been great to see that Christians aren't as bound by fear. Um, you know, people take the precautions they feel that they need to, but it's nice that um, that it's good to see Christians trusting God more than giving into fear. It felt like for a while that 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 fear was so big and people were just so um, afraid to do anything. But it, it's really been I think it's just been great to see uh, life get back to something like normal again. Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed watching some college football um, all fall along, you know, uh, 50,000, 100,000 people in these stadiums, and it really did. It started to feel more normal as we 
get closer to what I hope is herd immunity, whether that's natural immunity or from the vaccine or whatever. But the point is, is after two years of this almost, uh, we need to get to herd immunity. Can I get an amen on that? Um, and, and we are getting closer. And that's encouraging as well for me as I look back on the last year. The other thing related to COVID that, that I find really encouraging is just how many uh, additional COVID treatments there are. Um, and it, it's just it's just stunning to see to see new things over the counter uh, uh, medications and different things that can help people um, whether you're whether you're vaccinated or not. A lot of, a lot of promising um, treatments out there. You know, a lot of reason for us to have you know some some optimism um, and certainly gratitude for for you know ending this year on a better note than last year for sure. So one of those early COVID treatments that uh, just pop up, at least for me in the news here a few weeks ago, was from uh, a professor at the University of Florida. And he uh, he's an immunologist and uh, lots of credentials. But anyway, he got it in his mind to two over-the-counter drugs to stop COVID. And they uh, when you combine them, they give a 99% resistance to the virus. I mean, this is stunning. And the one is actually Benadryl. That's the the one um, brand name for it, but the the actual drug is called diphenhydramamine, and that's with antihistamine. And when paired with lactoferrin, a protein found in cow and human milk, you actually get 99% resistance to COVID. And now we've already heard like Ben Carson recently and many others in, in, in 2020 and before we're talking about ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine with zinc, but we've got all kinds of different options, options monoclonal uh, uh, antibodies. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And, um, you know, so we've got all of these options that can really help save lives. And I think it's just so important that we stop and, and thank the Lord and, um, and just realize that these these are huge blessings so anything else come to mind yeah no i i agree and even like there was a nasal spray that that can help you know i mean just just very simple things that people can do that that are going to give them a really good defense and um you know at least that's what the researchers are telling us now so i think that's all very promising that there's a, a spectrum of things that we can do and um so it's got to it's got to help alleviate that fear that people were so gripped by. So it's really nice to see that that this thing is is there's a path out of this, and um, and and that's my hope is that that we begin to focus on the positive things that are happening instead of you know continuing to succumb to the the fear of of COVID and and you know putting our lives on hold um, you know, when there is so much good news out there. Right. I think a lot of that fear was early on when this is a new virus. We don't know what's going on and stuff, but it's time now with so many options and so forth just to just to uh, have a more positive outlook. I, I do want to share one other thing from 20, 2021, and that is uh, I've been so encouraged by parents at school board meetings standing up for um uh, uh, biblical values, standing against critical race theory, which we have uh, exposed on this podcast, as many have, that it's really a Marxist ideology. It brings us right back to the oppressed versus the oppressor, and it's divisive, and that there's no way out of this. And uh, it's just really concerning. But 
it seems like Americans more across the board are standing up to this. And I was very encouraged to see uh, African-American parents standing up against critical race theory as well, and really even standing up for uh, funding the police as we start to realize that defunding the police is going to create more crime and more uh, uh, danger and threats in our cities. So there are true things to really be thankful for. I got to throw in one other one, and that is um, is uh, the governor of New York, uh, Andrew Cuomo, who recently stepped down here in 2021. Uh, you know, if you followed him closely, it was like there's two narratives going on. The narrative from the media that he's the greatest governor ever and he helped lead New York out of, out of COVID. Um, but there was another narrative that was going on at the exact same time. Of course, we all know now the womanizing. But also, even though he wrote a book on COVID leadership and what he did, actually, New York City had the highest death count of any city in the world. And it was like he, it, these things were exposed. And, you know, I couldn't help when I look at that and I see um, politicians being held accountable for their actions. There was a sense even with, uh, with Governor Cuomo being removed that I sensed that God was fighting for righteousness. And I believe part of it goes all the way back to January 22nd, 2019, when uh, Governor Cuomo, to the applause of his legislature, signed the abortion bill that really, um, you know, defies everything we know about God, scripture, life. And uh, it, it, it's just stunning that that happened. It was basically abortion right up to the very moment of birth. And, and I know that the Catholic Church in New York City and elsewhere, that they stood against this. But nevertheless, it's, it's so awesome to see how really some almost untouchable politicians are being held accountable, uh, whether um, it, it's on one or all of these issues. So anyway, I, I'm grateful. And I know that people will say, well, there's so many more people that will just step up and have be as anti-God in their policies as that. But I think that when there's corruption exposed like this, even uh, former Governor Cuomo being asked to send back his $5.1 million in royalties of his book uh, because he used his own staff to help produce the book, which you're not supposed to do in office. But when you look at the whole scenario, it's um, I think it catches the attention of other politicians, uh, whether governor, senator, in the House of Representatives, whatever. The point is, is that I do believe that these things make a difference, and I believe it could make a difference going forward. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it's great that, that some of this corruption is being exposed. And I think it's also great that people are getting more engaged. You know, they're, they're going, showing up at meetings, you know, school board meetings, and they're making their feelings known, and they're participating in the process. And you know, there are more people running for elected office that had never done so before. You know, they're just they're just disturbed by the things they see and they're willing to step out there. I wish I could remember the name of the um, the, the man in New Jersey who was a truck driver. He had never run for anything before and he unseated the most powerful senator in, in New Jersey. It, it, that senator was was a contender for governor. And, you know, it was expecting to maybe run for governor next time around. And he was beat by like this person who had never run for anything before. And so I think it's like people are saying, wait, things are going, the pendulum has swung too far in a direction that we don't understand. And, and the, it's another thing to be thankful for that people are waking up and they're, they're, um, 
they're saying, hey, enough is enough. And they're they're willing to step out there and commit their time and um and their energy into trying to make a difference. And that's the that's the process. So it's good that people are engaging because I think that many Christians have been sitting on the sidelines for too long and saying, hey, I, I don't know, I don't need to be involved with any of that. But but now, you know, people, Christians, not you know, like just people that are disturbed by the things that they're seeing are saying they're waking up and they're saying, hey, this is this has got to stop. And so uh, I'm glad about the engage the engagement and the fact that they're 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 paying attention and the fact that this corruption is coming to light. And it's I'm sure this isn't going to be the last one that we're going to see. You know, there's going to be many more in all likelihood, you know, because the news keeps you know, these stories keep bubbling up and they almost break out into the mainstream. But, you know, even if half the stuff, you know, we're, we're starting to hear stories of are true, there'll be a lot more, you know, the clean, you know, like um, house cleaning going on. I, I think God has taken a big broom to the whole thing and saying out, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly why we need to thank God, uh, all of us. We need to thank God that for the wins we did see in, in 2021. Now, I know there were some huge losses and evil and other corruption we're not getting into on this podcast, but, uh, you know, let's thank God for uh, for his goodness that we have seen. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. You know, with that said, as we look to 2022 and really warnings, uh, biblical warnings for 2022, and I know some things that the Lord has sort of surfaced for each of us, Laura, um, I think it's so vital, uh, you know, that we don't let the f- our foot off the gas, you know, regardless of how many wins we've seen or how many answers of prayer, there's a long ways to go in our nation. Our nation has some serious challenges right now, challenges ahead in 2022 and beyond. And, you know, we, we want to make sure that we are humbling ourselves before God, fasting, praying, seeking him, doing anything and everything that he tells us to do, and really living under the lordship of Christ uh, to be the, the uh, change agents that he wants us to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So with that said, I think we're going to look at some, some various categories here of warnings. Uh, we're going to look at some stuff from the book of Amos first. Then we're going to look at, there's just internet, I don't know what to call them, teachers, prophets that say things, but I actually think that we need a warning of what they're saying. Like, I don't think what they're saying is true. Um, and so I think we'll take a look at that. And then, uh, and then I know that you've, you and I both have some things on our minds just related to other, other warnings, um, all, re- all connected to the, the scriptures and so forth, but nevertheless um, on, on a different, in a different category. So we'll kind of wrap up our time with that. So let's go with this first category of warnings, and, and that is from the book of Amos. Now, honestly, we could focus on every chapter and make this easily a three or four hour podcast, okay? But I just want to touch on three warnings that I believe are um, are uh, timely for America that we should be thinking about. And they come from Amos chapter four, Amos chapter five, and Amos chapter six. Now, the first one in Amos chapter four is interesting because um, God has sent these uh, these corrective judgments, these shakings to um, to the Israelites. And, and Amos is a prophet or preaching before the northern kingdom falls in 721 or the southern kingdom in 586. 
And so uh, most of his book is actually to the Northern Kingdom, meaning his prophecies. Um, but what's really uh, interesting here is that at the principal level, what we can understand, and I think this is so crucial for us as we're heading into 2022. At the end of Amos uh, chapter 4, um, actually uh, uh, starting in verse 6, it mentions that God gave them a lack of bread, a cleanness of teeth, as some translations include there. And it's like, no, this is trouble. This is a shaking. This is something to bring you to your knees so you cry out beyond yourself for help. Lift up your eyes to God. And it says over and over in this uh, passage, uh, Amos 4, starting verse 6 and after, yet you have not returned to me. God has an expectation that when things go on in this world, in this life, uh, that we would see when there's pressure put on us, when there's uh, things are discomfort, it could create fear and anxiety or whatever, but that we would lift up our eyes. But I'm concerned that America right now, uh, and has been, and I'm afraid will be, that's why I'm giving this warning, that we will do the same thing, where there's all kinds of pressures coming to bear on America. But have we returned to him? Not just a few people in, in a few churches here and there, but masses of people within uh, all kinds of churches from coast to coast, and then even beyond the church. And th this goes on to explain other uh, shakings that God sends. And he, he withheld the rain, but you did not return to me. He says he, he gave a variety of plagues like scorching winds and mildews and mildew and caterpillars eating the crops and the plants and so forth, but they would not return to him. And it even goes on to explain that in terms of the military of ancient Israel, that their young men were, were slain by the sword. And yet they would not return uh, to, to the Lord. And it finally gets to the point in uh, a crescendo in verse 12, and it actually says in verse 12, because you've rejected me over and over and over, prepare to meet your God. Right. It is a moves from a corrective judgment to a final Judgment, And I believe as we head into 2022, we need to understand there have been many shakings that have come to our nation over many decades, even generations. But America has not humbled herself. We have not returned to God. There has not been a mass repentance in the church that, that even uh, spread out outside of the church. And we need to be careful here because this is extremely serious that if God comes to... Uh, to judge a nation, it, it's absolutely devastating, especially in this context where, um, where you've already had so many chances to turn around. Yeah, I agree with that. And, um, you know, it's interesting because we are considered a, you know, a, a Christian nation. Um, and I don't know what the, the most recent numbers are. I know it's dropped dramatically, but, you know, if you look at the majority of, of the population still identifies as Christian, at least culturally. Um, it's interesting because I think to draw another parallel from Amos, um, going into Amos chapter five, after laying out all of these things that have happened to them and they still didn't return to him, he's asking in verse four, 
he says, you know, it, well, he says in verse four, he says, seek me and live. Hmm. He says, turn back to me and you will live. There's still time. And so, so merciful, so gracious, even though God is so uh, angry with the Israelites, he still extends his hand. He still extends his hand and, you know, he's still willing and, but they're not. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because if, one translation that I looked at for verse 14, it says, you talk about God being your best friend, well, live like it. And boy, mm. if that doesn't sound like our culture where, you know, Jesus is my best friend. And, you know, like uh, so many of our churches, like the doctrine is really about, you know, and uh, the Lord is your best friend and he, he loves you unbelievably. But, you know, that's kind of all you're getting is that best friend message. And um, you're not hearing about judgments and you're not hearing about hell and you're not hearing about consequences for your sin. But, you know, um, he says in verse 23, you know, verse 21, I can't stand your religious meetings. I've had all, all I can take of your noisy ego music. You know, when you hear so many of our worship songs glorify us, but they're not really worship, it's not really worship music to the Lord. And, you know, he says, he says um, in verse 23, 523, he says, when was the last time you sang to me? Hmm. You know, so it's it's interesting because we can have this feeling that we're we're serving him and we're just like in Amos's day, you know, they were religious and they didn't they didn't get it. They were listening to a deceiving message and they, you know, our culture, you know, we are we are we really seeking him? Are we really connecting with him? Um, now, let me just inter <laughs> let me just interject there, Laura. Um, this is like. Uh, a lot of religious activity. We think probably in, in that day they thought things are happening. Maybe they are happening, you know, like uh, happening people and whatever, happening worship team, happening preaching. But the thing is, is they enjoyed whatever they were doing back then. I can only assume that they enjoyed it. They were going there with all of these songs. Well, if it's not originated from God and God's sick of it, as you just highlighted from this passage— well, then it's originating from themselves. And it's like, how often right. is that happening within the American church today? We're, we've got energetic worship, and there's a lot going on throughout the service, and it keeps clipping along, keeping our attention. Maybe throw in a video and some other stuff. But the point is, are we just simply entertaining ourselves? And I think this is a huge warning. If we're not moving into the scriptures where Jesus talks about pick up your cross and follow me, or Paul talked about, I, I give up everything, I leave everything behind to follow him, to know him better. Like, if we're not tracking with this, uh, this is not going to turn out well, not only for each local church, but this is not going to turn out well for our nation. Yeah, it's not. How can it? You know, and we're seeing the warning signs here, and it feels like judgments at the door. You know, we're seeing so many things being shaken, and um, and yet, have we really repented? You know, I mean, are we really, are we really, you know, seeking him? Are we really hearing him? Um, it doesn't look that way, does it? It seems to me there's a lot of things that go on within the church uh, under the, the guise of God or the Holy Spirit or something like that. But it's actually uh, the source of this is within our own 
mind, heart, flesh, if you want to put it that way, but it's within us rather than rather than something that's truly divine where we're uh, uh, being moved along by God himself and then he's meeting with us. And so I, 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 I think both of these things are extremely important and connected. First, warning in Amos that we highlighted in, in chapter four, and that is look at the corrective judgments. How much patience will God have before he will send America a final judgment, just like he did with his people? This is his people that that he's talking about here, those that he loves, that he's in covenant with. But how um, how much more would he do that to any other nation in terms of moving from a corrective judgment to that final judgment? And then what you're saying, Laura, is that we've got a situation here where uh, the church um, is compromised, and we're starting a new year. Let's start, as you just said a moment ago, let's start with repentance, true repentance, getting low before God and confessing our our own waywardness, meaning right within the church. We're never going to see America turn around without the church, first of all, uh, having the plumb line straight and the power of God. And Amos actually talks about that idea of a plumb line being straight with God, um, uh, in one of the later chapters. Yeah. And, you know, uh, like when's the last time you can remember hearing something like this preached from the pulpit, really? You know, I mean, I, I think uh, American Christians largely are clueless, you know, like about the fact that, you know, judgment is a possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, if we look back over, you know, the last election and and some of that you know, the, 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 the collective mentality, you know, what you heard was, well, you know, God's going to bless us and, you know, we're just going to have, you know, more great years of whatever. And it was, it was just like right out of the word here, you know, where, you know, they're going along doing their own thing and thinking that they're, you know, worshiping God, but they're really, their hearts are far from him. You know, they're not really, they're not, they're not honoring him. They're, they're not going low before him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what, what's happening is we're coming out from his protection. You know, he can't, he can't shield us from the consequences of our actions for much longer, can he? You know, I mean, we've, we've really put ourselves in a position where it's really dangerous for us to, think that we can continue on this path and not feel real judgment. Like you look at the, the, the famine and the deprivation and the things that they experienced every time the people came out from, you know, chose, chose to be in sin. And they just, no matter what happened, they kept doing it. Well, feels like that is happening in America. You know, like it, we just don't ever seem to get to that place where we're remembering that we are truly accountable to God as a nation for the things that we do and the things that we tolerate. And instead, we're just focused on me, my stuff, my blessing, the things that I want and I need. And those are the things that most of us are praying for. You know, like, is there a real, like, is, is, is his house a house of prayer? Are we really interceding for the country? Are we remembering like how bad sin really is? It doesn't seem like that. You know, it feels like the door, we're opening the door wider, you know, for sin to come in. And we're not, we're not aware of how precarious our situation is, is appearing right now, you know? Um, so just to be very practical, I have to believe that God has been trying to shake us and wake us up. The, you know, the uh, supply chain issues we've had here now for, for many months, and, and, and to varying degrees, 
um, in different parts of the economy since the very beginning of COVID. Um, but really uh, more, you know, in other areas here in 2021. But also, uh, you know, there was some, de- not exactly bare, but let's just say depleted food shelves at the grocery store, um, especially earlier on with COVID. But I'm not sure some of this in certain uh, products have ever completely come back. In fact, I know that they haven't in, in certain areas. So it's like, okay, it's just, just as Americans, we just complain and we try to fix the problem or we maybe we don't fix the pro- try to fix the problem, we just complain. But do we realize there's spiritual stuff going on here where God shakes a nation? And actually through COVID to some degree, he's shaken the entire world. Um, you know, since this is a, a, a podcast on warning, I want to highlight one other thing before we get on to uh, a, the first part of Amos chapter 6. And that is in Amos chapter 5, right before um, we hear, seek me that you may live, right before that, God tells us, he gives us an understanding of what a massive, devastating final judgment could could look like. And so again, this is the northern kingdom of Israel this is directed to, but um, but specifically it says, of a thousand, a hundred will be left, of a hundred, ten will be left. In other words, that 90% of Israel, the people of Israel, will be wiped out through this devastating judgment. You know, and I think, again, just as we kind of live in a happy, clappity version of Christianity in America, I think it's important that we understand that God is serious, and it's out of that when he says, seek me that you may live. Mm-hmm. It's that 90% of the people are going to be gone. And he's saying to you, but you can make a choice. You can, uh, you can come to me. And, uh, and I think, again, this is vital for us to, you know, to, to think about, about what's at stake or, or, or what can happen in our future. Yeah, especially as Americans, because we haven't known, you know, I mean, our greatest hardship has been going to the, you know, in, in our generation, you know, going to the grocery store and not finding toilet paper. You know, it's like, you know, so people don't, you know, we, we can't, they, they have no frame of reference for something like, you know, you're reading out of Amos, you know, well, what do you mean that can't happen in America? You know, that's going to happen in some other country someplace else, but not to us. And it doesn't help that we're not teaching, you know, that, that our pastors are teaching the things that people want to hear, not the things that we necessarily need to hear. So, mm. you know, it's, it's really going to be, um, hard for people, especially hard for people, because they're, they're going to feel like God's let them down, you know, as things, you know, get worse, if they do, when we don't repent, they're going to feel like, like, well, what happened to the Lord? How come he disappointed me? I'm supposed to just get my blessing and I'm supposed to just have favor and my best life now. And, you know, and, um, what are they going to do? I, I think that could be the great falling away, you know, where people really are so disappointed with, um, the fact that they feel that God's let them down, they still don't see that they're under judgment. You know, they're still not a, re- it's, it's, it's entirely possible that we could go into judgment and not even recognize we're in judgment. We just think that God's letting us down. Like what happened? And, you know, and go a whole lot longer before we realize this is our fault. Right. And I, I just want to emphasize what you said a minute ago uh, about repentance. And, and if I can just slightly, uh, uh, shift the emphasis just a slight bit. Um, without repentance, there will not be 
an improvement, a, 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 you know, a prosperity, a flourishing. And I think that's another thing as we look at the, uh, the noisy songs within the church, as it says there in Amos 5, is that we want everything to be easy or to, to somehow get to where we want to be without humility and repentance. And it's just not going to happen. Um, I right. think of my... I think of my friend, uh, Matt Bennett, who's actually been on this podcast last summer a few times, and, um, and we were talking about some related issues and really diving into the scriptures related to judgment. But anyway, uh, Matt, Matt has said he's been calling within his, his own ministry, about 60, 70 staff working in, at key uh, Ivy League universities and, and other uh, influential areas like New York City. Um, he's been calling people to seek God wholeheartedly, and that this is a moment where we've got to be crying out that this is um, this is our only hope, and uh, and we can't we we can't bypass um, these things that the scriptures clearly tell us from the heart of God to do, and yet we still want to have uh, the prosperity, the the blessings of God, or as you just said, our our best life now. Yeah, and that, that verse in Amos that from 521, it says your noisy ego music, you yeah. know, so it's it's me at the center, not God at the center. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's just um, such a deception for us right now. Um, you know, the, in verse, uh, the, verse 24, the next verse, it says, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. So justice for, for people, the weak, the poor, we don't favor people. We want justice for all that pleases God. And then righteousness will fly, doing the right thing in God's eyes and let that flow down like a river. That's, that's our way out there. Out of this mess or would have been the way out for the Israelites. But what we have to realize is that, um, is that when you put those two verses together, the verse 23 about the noisy worship or the ego worship and the, the, the justice and righteousness, God is not so concerned about the songs we're singing on Sunday morning as he is about the lives we're living. Amen. And we, we need to live in, in the way of Christ, in the life of Christ, and, um, and be following God wholeheartedly. I mean, I'm encouraged as we were going through the blessings, you know, the things that we are thankful for for this year, that people are becoming more engaged. And I think that that's a really good thing. And and hopefully it'll lead to some, you know, transformation in, in, the, in our institutions, you know, ultimately. But um, right now, if we don't get back to basics and just really face the, the fact that we need to be on our faces, I, I think it would really, I think that could only come about if people realize how at risk we are, risk we are right now of facing God's judgment, you know, that it's happening, it's, that things are starting to really unravel. And, you know, the United States is not the same country it was a year ago um, in so many ways. So, so what, are we seeing the signs? Are we paying attention? You know, it's, it's on us to discern the, the seasons and the times. And, and are we, you know, where are the watchmen on the walls? Are we, are, are we really warning people? I mean, we're certainly trying to do that with, with this, conversation. But, you know, there's such a need for us to really be in prayer for people to wake up and see, you know, the, 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 the place that we're in right now, and that we, we each need to change and do our part, um, that together the church in the United States will stand up and be relevant again, and, and be salt and light. Right. I, again, know? it's not about 
simply the songs we're singing. It's about the lives we're living. Um, and so with that, um, recognizing the work that needs to be done within the church, uh, within our own hearts, within the body of Christ, um, there's one more warning in Amos that I would like us to address here, and it comes in the very next chapter, Amos chapter 6, and let me read verse 1. It says, woe to those who are at ease in Zion. And I just feel like we need to replace Zion with America. Woe to those who are at ease in America and to those who feel secure in the mountain of Samaria. That Samaria is their capital city um, of the northern kingdom. But Americans feeling secure, never really feeling a threat. You never, like other nations, an average person, they, I've heard Christians say this from many nations, sometimes I fast by choice and sometimes it's not by choice. There's just no food. I mean, we, in America, we never think about missing a meal um, and this kind of thing. We're secure that way. We're secure uh, when it comes to military. Yeah, every once in a while we hear a threat like North Korea um, and possibly China, but we never think about like, wow, we could be invaded. Like that would be a reality. But yeah. here's the point. There's so much security. And he, he goes on to talk about how these other uh, Gentile nations were brought down, and, is, and it was what you were saying a few minutes ago, Laura, that it's like we don't think that it can happen to us. That exact idea is brought down or, or brought up in, uh, in the next few verses. But then I'm going to pick it up in Amos 6, starting in verse 4. It says, those who recline on beds of ivory and sprawl on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who improvise to the sound of the harp and, and like David, have composed songs for themselves, who drink wine from the sacrificial bowls while they anoint themselves with the finest oils. Okay, just stop there before we go on. Kind of mid-sentence or mid-thought there in the scriptures. This, this is a... Uh, a financially flourishing uh, people. They're doing well in terms of their livelihood. They've got a lot of extras here, even couches. Uh, 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 like it, it's talking about uh, beds inlaid with ivory. Uh, the, things are going well. There's not a care in the world. We already read about ease and the feeling of security and all this kind of stuff. And so we look at America as materially the most prosperous nation ever in, in world history. And then Amos, or I should say God through Amos, gives this strong warning. And I think we need to understand this for America today. It goes on to say after the, the drinking of wine from sacrificial bowls, they're actually... Uh, a lot of wine in a bowl, okay? So there's that idea. They anoint themselves with the finest oils. It, then it says, yet they have not grieved, or in other words, mourned over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, they will now go into exile at the head of the exiles. And so let me ask this question. It says here that they didn't grieve over the ruin of Joseph, over the spiritual bankruptcy of the nation of Israel. Let me ask this. How, uh, how's America doing? Grieving over our spiritual bankruptcy, even though there might be a lot of material goods yet uh, to be pursued out there in careers and so forth. How are we doing grieving 
over the wickedness that has come into our nation over the last uh, many decades? Yeah, that's the question. You know, I mean, that, that really is the question. There, there, there doesn't seem to be any, you know, I mean, we're just living, you know, on our luxurious sofas and drinking our wine and having a good time and celebrating, you know, satisfied that we've got everything that we need. And we're not grieving. We're not, we're not in repentance. So just sort of summarizing Amos before we move on to some more warnings, but summarizing um, this, what we've looked at, we've got corrective judgments that are not being uh, recognized, adhered to, that they're not changing lives and hearts. And that leads to final judgment. And that's the first warning for America as we start a new year. Maybe God will be gracious with more corrective judgments, but will we return to him? If not, it ends up in final judgment. Warning number two is what you really focused on, Laura, and that that is in terms of these noisy ego music songs and different things that go on within the church that maybe are feel good or exciting, a lot of religious activity, uh, but we are not in the in the, uh, the obedience of God, following him, surrendering to him, um, changing our ways to please him. All of this is, is found there in, in uh, that last part of Amos 5. And then the first part of Amos 6 is the third warning. And that um, in our material prosperity, we need to be careful we don't confuse that material prosperity with God's blessing. Actually, yeah. it can be the very thing that puts a people to sleep and in our slumber not even be aware that this judgment is coming. And that last verse that I read there is that that they were enjoying all their prosperity, but they will be the first to go into exile. When the Assyrians come and take over that territory, they will be in chains and bound and walking through deserts to uh, Nineveh or wherever the Assyrians take them. And, uh, and they were absolutely clueless leading, leading up to it. And so we need to understand these things um, in our nation as well. So let's move on to another category of warning here. Um, and that would be uh, false teachers, false prophets, these kinds of things. I think we have to be discerning like never before. Now, maybe in the future, uh, We'll do a podcast that will just focus on this alone. So we're going to kind of keep this, uh, uh, I guess, specific in terms of what we're going to address here in terms of a warning. But whether it's Jeremiah 23 or Jesus saying, don't be misled before my second coming, you get all of these warnings about deception and how you can be deceived and don't go down that path. But what's scary is when it happens within the church, within the body of Christ, people that uh, we trust more or less, and they're leading in the church. And then we we start to drink in things that aren't true. We're, we're going to have to be discerning. And specifically what I, I want to um, highlight in, in this part of our podcast today is that there's a, a, a number of uh, internet teachers or prophets or whatever you want to call them. Um, they're trying to help forecast the future or they're trying to help teach in a way uh, uh, I would hope to be helpful. But there's this teaching that's going on that God is going to bless America. He's going to send this great revival and awakening complete, completely apart from repentance uh, of 
coming before him, crying out to him um, in fasting and prayer. It's like God has just decreed this coming revival, and America's awesome, and God's not done with America yet, and it's just going to happen. It's like there's all of this like pronouncement or, or a declaring of this amazing move of God, like this move of God is here, the greatest move of God ever that America's seen. It's here now, or if they don't quite say it that way, it's like, just hang on a little bit longer, and it'll be here, you know, soon, next week or next month or next year. But the thing is, is that the Bible doesn't teach this. Specifically, they are teaching that it's because America is in a covenant relationship with God, which would be different than many other nations. Now, it would be the the same thing as ancient Israel, uh, both the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of Judah. They were clearly in covenant with God. Um, but America is in covenant. Therefore, the revival's coming. America will be saved and will be soon riding high. The problem is, is that the Bible does not teach this, that there's a revival without repentance, there's a revival without seeking God. It's like, what are we expecting? That God will bless us as rebellious people that are not interested in him in the first place? So, a warning um, here is just simply to summarize that there are there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes out over the internet. It's not necessarily uh, confined to the internet. Of course, it could happen in your local church. But we have to know the scriptures. We have to um, discern these kinds of things. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree with you more. There's absolutely no place in scripture. That, um, that that they could they, they could find there's not that no scripture that they could find to support that that point of view and yet it's the it seems it feels to me like it's the predominant view you know among mainstream Christians that you know we're just a covenant nation and God's just going to keep blessing us and we're a friend of Israel and we don't have anything to worry about and that you know that's it, you know, uh, that, that, that God's just going to continue to bless us because we're special people. There's no scriptural support for that. And it's just astounding to me that as Bible-believing Christians, we don't know what the word says on this topic, and we're just hook, line, and sinker buying what these prophetic voices are telling us. And yet, if you read scripture, there's plenty of scriptures that talk about that very same syndrome, where you've got a prophetic voice telling you one thing, and uh, in, in, con- in, in direct um, um, conflict with what the Word of God actually says. So, how many, you know, and and what, doesn't it say too that um, I believe it's in Jeremiah that that they they wound up listening to deceiving voices that. You know, like God, let that voice go out. That's the one that you wanted to hear. So that's the one that you're going to get. And it, it, they were just completely duped by this. And and nowhere, nowhere in Scripture does it does it give them any support for that point of view whatsoever. Okay, so I want to take us further in terms of some specific passages that actually talk about this in terms of covenant and how does God treat nations that are in covenant with him. Now, there are covenants that are unconditional. For example, after the flood, God gave, gave Noah and the eight, eight of them the rainbow, I will never destroy the earth like this again. And it doesn't matter how wicked things get, even right now to the, 
time when Jesus returns, God is not going to destroy the earth again with a flood. He promised that there are unconditional covenants, but covenants with nations are always conditional. So I'm going to just hit a few of these um, just so that we're very clear. And one area uh, or passage we could look at is Jeremiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 17. And I'm just going to read verses 6 through 11. And it says this, and for the YouTubers, we'll put this up on, on the screen. The Lord said to me, meaning Jeremiah, Proclaim all these words in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. Listen to the terms of this covenant and follow them. From the time I brought your ancestors up from Egypt until today, I warned them again and again saying, quote, obey me. But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubbornness of their evil hearts. So I brought on them all the curses of the covenant. And let's stop right there. It's not that they're not in a covenant with God. They are within a covenant of God, but they broke the conditions of this covenant. So I'll keep reading that. uh, So I brought them all the curses of the covenant I had commanded them to follow, but they did not keep. Then the Lord said to me, There is a conspiracy among the people of Judah and those who live in Jerusalem. They have returned to the sins of their ancestors who refused to listen to my words. They have followed other gods to serve them. Both Israel and Judah have broken the covenant I made with their ancestors. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. That is God speaking through Jeremiah to a nation, Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, that is in covenant with him. He's saying, because you're in covenant, I will judge you. And it's like, I think we got this crazy idea, again, going out there on YouTube and the internet and so forth. We got this crazy idea out there because if you're in covenant with God, you're less responsible for your national sin. You can be more carefree because you you won't have any consequences for it. And God is saying, actually, when you look at all uh, various passages, much more than what I'm sharing here today, but... Actually, if you're in covenant with God, you're more responsible for what you're doing. Um, And I'm just stunned that we're kind of buying this uh, in the body of Christ. And that's why I think it's great that you're, you know, like tonight we're going through these scriptures and actually looking at what the word of God really says. Because I think we've just gotten so selective in in the the scriptures that that we're, we're reading out of the word that we're not paying attention to what's right and black and white right in front of us. So, you know, mm-hmm. this is this is important for us to actually look at this and see what it says. Cause you and I can have opinions about, you know, what we think, but we can't argue with what the word of God says. And it's right there. Right. I mean, we don't need do more, we don't that? need any more opinions from more people. <laughs> no, what we need no. is is the facts of the word of God. You know, so looking at that, just building on that, um Going a little bit further in Jeremiah, it brings up this topic again. At the end of Jeremiah 14, Jeremiah is crying out to God, and it's a great prayer. Jeremiah is being humbled, and he is seeking God and, and so forth. And, and at one point, Jeremiah even cries out to God that God would not break the covenant with the people. 
And it's awesome. And and then in, in chapter 15, God replies, and I'm just going to do a paraphrase, uh, a summary with the idea, but, but it's worth reading uh, Jeremiah 14, verse 20 through chapter 15, verse 4. But in chapter 15, God essentially says, I will keep the covenant with you. That is why I am coming to judge and destroy Judah, because it's part of the covenant. The conditions of the covenant from the very beginning were that you would be judged if you disobeyed. Well, I think of, um, you know, we're not there, but one scripture that's coming to mind and, and always does when I think of this subject is Deuteronomy 28. You know, the blessings of a nation that follows yeah. the Lord and then the curses that follow if you choose not to follow what he's telling you to do. It's it couldn't be any clearer. It's it's laid out right there. So, you know, the the curses come as a result of our disobedience. And, um, you know, he warns us and warns us and warns us. And yet we, we just can't seem to grasp the fact that our actions have consequences individually and collectively as a nation. So it's. It behooves us to know what the word of God actually says and to read the whole book, not just the parts that talk about me and my blessing and the stuff that God's going to do for me um, so I can have that best life now. Um, but, you know, the, the all, all, everything, you know, so he doesn't want us to, God, God isn't sitting there wanting us to suffer this. He keeps, he's trying so hard to not have that happen, but it's, it's our disobedience in nature that just is rebelling against what his word actually says, all the while we're thinking that we're living in, in great standing with him. You know, it's, right. it's just such a deception. We have got to quit declaring these good times are ahead, uh, including revival and things without repentance. That is just antithetical to all the scriptures. Uh, 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 the churches, the seven churches in Revelation chapters two and three, five of them were commanded to repent of specific sins. And again, I don't think that's because God hates these churches or he's just being an, an ogre. Not, not at all. I believe just the reverse is true. He wants to send revival, but he won't unless you repent of those specific areas that he has identified. And I don't think we need to take too long to figure out what key areas are within America at large or within our local churches, that there are specific areas that if we continue on this path, uh, rather than having the life of Christ, we'll be lifeless and we'll continue just to walk through the motions. Well, so, and I know you've studied, Dave, you studied revival extensively, and I would say that, you know, maybe you can speak to that for a second about how um, in countries that have had great revivals, it was preceded by times of severe trial and judgment. And it was out of that that, you know, um, or you saw revival happen as a, as, a, as a means of strengthening the remnant through those times. But, you know, they kind of go together and it's, um, it's just, it really is just another cheapening of the gospel, in my opinion, when we just focus on the happy part that we want to carve out and latch onto to the exclusion of the rest of the word. And I think it's kind of time that we just begin to just really, you know, at least make sure as you're doing tonight, that the word is really going out and that people have an opportunity to just really take what we're saying and go to the Lord and say, Lord, yeah, how do those scriptures apply? Like, like, what are the sins I need to repent of personally? Because I don't even think there's a lot of personal repentance that happens anymore. We're, we're such, a, we're under such hyper grace 
that, you know, well, I know that the Lord just forgives me and I'm okay. And, you know, and, and then you extrapolate that out to where we are as a country. It's just, you know, it's like how we got to that level nationally when we're living like that personally. So I just think this is this is important. It's it's a topic that really deserves much more attention, and this is this is really good for us to be looking at right now. I was just talking to a pastor uh, who uh, who's in Kenya uh, just yesterday, actually, and um, it's interesting to me in light of what you just said that he was just sharing with me how in their church, um, and he's the senior pastor, that the, uh, there's been infidelity with a lot of marriages and, and different things. And but what's happened is, is is people have been responding to God. They they've come under that conviction of being out of God's will. And they have been publicly, transparently confessing sin and seeing their marriages brought together, healing, reconciliation. Um, you know, at least some of the times as I understood it, it was both the husband and the wife who had not been faithful. But we think, oh, this is so difficult. Now, how could I ever uh, uh, work th- this kind of thing through? But here's, here, here's what he said. He said, it's just beautiful what God's doing in these marriages is these people are coming together in true love like they haven't been in years and years, and God is healing them, and they're forgiving each other and God is forgiving them. And from that, it became clear to me as I listened to him, the seeds of revival are, are both being planted, but I would say they're even sprouting. It's just stunning um, when you start to think about the great fruit that comes from repentance, and, and that's where a true revival would originate from. The, the other thing um, that you said about, you know, that I've talked about before is the difficulty that happens in proximity to revival. Often there can be difficulty before revival. Often there's um, actually more examples um, in history of uh, of difficulty after revival. And sometimes they're concurrent, meaning that you know, at the same time there's revival and difficulty. But again, I don't hear this uh, from our internet uh, preacher friends. I'm not hearing anything like well, when revival comes, did you know that difficulty will often follow? And there's a great testing and, and, and there's backlash and all kinds of things uh, like this. Uh, it's very... Uh, uh, like in a lot of ways, difficult to navigate, or or uh, it's kind of it's a dicey situation. And uh, but anyway, all of that to say that we need to be careful. When uh, a friend of mine calls them uh, sunny day prophets, when prophets can only speak about happy times or in happy times, we need to be careful because that doesn't sound like a prophet that is in the scriptures. Um, and so. One one last one, uh, just so that we feel uh, a bit more informed, and that would be from uh, from Jeremiah chapter twenty two, starting in verse eight. It says this: People from many nations will pass by this city and will ask one another, "Why has the Lord done such a thing to this great city?" And it's talking about Jerusalem, their capital city there in the southern kingdom. It goes on to say in verse nine, and the answer will be. Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and have worshipped and served other gods. What did they forsake? They forsook the covenant. Mm -hmm. So this whole thing, like a 
get out of jail free card or a pass you, you get because you can just declare, well, America's in covenant with God. Therefore, um, God's not done with America yet. Therefore, they're for sure, we're declaring it right now. A revival is coming. This is not found in the Bible. Mm-mm. No, it's definitely not found in the Word. Now, Laura, as we go into this last uh, segment here in terms of just some warnings that are on our hearts, I actually think we'll just cover one. Um, We could talk about this for hours, but I've done a few podcasts that actually were posted this last fall. One was called Marxism in America. The other one was called Marxism Flourishing in America. And I just want to encourage our our listeners to go back and listen to those if you're not familiar with this topic and what's going on in America and what Marxism is and all this kind of stuff. But here's the warning for us here in 2022, and that is we need— to be alert to growing totalitarianism. And as I talked about in those other podcasts, but I want to reemphasize now because I'm looking ahead to 2022, and here we go. It's probably going to come further and deeper, and COVID will probably be used to take away more rights and put more power in the government's hands, moving us more and more towards totalitarianism. But this whole thing, and why did these podcasts on this last fall, is because in Daniel chapter 7, there's four beasts or four empires, and the fourth beast Daniel describes as terrifying. And as I reflect on Marxist ideology, and I reflect on almost 100 million deaths uh, from that ideology that happened in the 20th century, and I think about the oppression under communist and socialist regimes that have happened in the 21st century. And now we're headed into 2022, and I I believe we have got to be alert to this. This very likely is the fourth beast in Daniel 7, which proceeds right before Jesus' second coming. This same beast appears in Revelation chapter 13 in the first half of that chapter. So, Here's, here's the point is I think, uh, Laura, let's focus here on warning the nation about totalitarianism, about the terrifying beast in Daniel 7. Uh, let's, um, let's just kind of hone our remarks on this topic. Yeah, I, I, this is, I think this is very timely because we have to look at what's happening in the United States right now. I mean, people are becoming instant pariahs for expressing a view that might not be public, you know, pop popular. You know, it's like if you say something that is politically incorrect, you're you get canceled. You don't have a job anymore. You don't have um, status in in society anymore. You're instantly an outcast. Um, it's that's how it kind of starts in countries that have gone down a totalitarian path. Um, I read a book a year ago, it's called Live Not By Lies by Rod, Rod Dreher. And I think it was really, um, I think it's an important book for people that are interested in what may be happening in the United States along these lines to pick up and read because he talks about how things progressed in the Soviet Union and how people were, uh, it started out that way. You're not allowed to say certain things. You're not allowed to um, express certain opinions. You know, you're you're instantly cut off and and um, and put down, or you know, you're like here, you could lose your job. You could lose your job for having an opinion that somebody doesn't like, or for putting twenty dollars in a GoFundMe for somebody that you know your employer doesn't think you should have. I mean, this is just kind of crazy because America, we used to be about free speech, 
and you're entitled to have your opinion and, and that's okay. But suddenly it's not okay. And we're all kind of falling along into that. And um, if it's okay, I'd like to just read a short excerpt from, from that book because I think it kind of fits into our conversation tonight. Um, but after the publication of his Gulag Archipelago exposed the rottenness of Soviet totalitarianism and made Solzhenitsyn a global hero, Moscow finally expelled him to the West. On the eve of his forced exile, Solzhenitsyn published a final message to the Russian people titled, Live Not by Lies. In the essay, he challenged the claim that the totalitarian system was so powerful that the ordinary man and woman can't change it. In other words, like you get to this place where you don't think that you can make a difference, that you have any, you know, like the system's just too big, you can't fight it. And he says this, and I think this is good for us to hear. He says, nonsense. The foundation of totalitarianism is an ideology made of lies. The system depends for its existence on people's fear of challenging the lies. Our way must be never knowingly support lies. You may not have the strength to stand up in public and say what you really believe, but you can at least refuse to affirm what you do not believe. You may not be able to overthrow totalitarianism, but you can find within yourself and your community the means to live in the dignity of truth. If we must live under the dictatorship of lies, the, then our response must, lead, must be, let their rule hold not through me. That, that, that we maintain you know, who we are and what we believe to be true, even in the face of intense opposition. So I, I don't know, but I, I thought that was, that was very um, much on point for what we're, we're talking about tonight and something we're thinking about um, as this is apt to get worse before it gets better in our country. Well, I read Live Not by Lies as well, and um, it's a very important book. I'd encourage people to read that book to understand that this creeping in of this totalitarianism, totalitarianism this Marxist ideology, it's been going on for a, quite some time within our nation, but now it's blossoming. It's becoming right out in the open. And um, for example, Senator Richard Blumenthal from Connecticut, he was just at a communist event. And uh, he said later that he regretted attending this communist awards show. Unbelievable. But he was a speaker at it. And, and he helped hand out these awards. And it's like, what do you mean you regretted being there? It, sound, it looks, by everything I'm looking at, like you really wanted to be there. And this is Marxism. Communism is that ideology of totalitarianism. And I'm sorry, but I have not read anything that convinces me that Senator Blumenthal is actually a capitalist, although he claims to be, or anything other than a communist. I don't know how else to interpret his actions. Uh, again, live not by lies. I don't interpret his words. I interpret his actions. Yeah, it is pretty stunning, isn't it, that he could say, oops, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know where I was, or, you know, like, I mean, I just, and that's only after he got you know, called out for being there. You know, he he didn't, it wasn't like he woke up the next day and said, oh my gosh, what did I do last night? You know, uh, he, he it's it's apparent that this is what, this is this is an ideology that he he believes in. You know, he, he was there because he's, he's, you know, of like mind, you know, to hand out awards and be present and be a, like a, a main speaker there um, tells you that, 
that at this point now we're really seeing kind of like the, the masks are coming off, you know, um, figuratively here and that, you know, they're, they're really showing us who they really are and what they really believe. They don't have to hide it anymore. I mean, they're that far down the road with all of this that they can be pretty out in the open with how they really feel. And what does that really say about how they feel about the America that we identify with? Um, well, this, they're not. this is a important biblical warning. And really for us as Christians, and as we look ahead to 2022 and beyond, for our lifestyles and what could happen in America, is so important because Daniel called this the terrifying beast. Mm -hmm. And this is terrifying that Senator Blumenthal uh, tipped his hand or showed his his true nature at this thing. At least what you and I, Laura, believe is his true nature. Now, he's tried to cover it up, and I guess you could believe that, but I'm against saying that doesn't sound right. This is what it's like, Laura. It's like, I'm in Christian ministry. I direct Forerunners of America. I travel and speak. It's like if suddenly I got an invitation to a Muslim conference, and I showed up there, and afterwards I said, well, I didn't know what I was invited to. I, I didn't know where I I was. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just there to hand out awards to these Muslims for reading the Quran and, you know, Muslims who, who did the five uh, pillars of Islam and stuff. But whoa, surprise. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, are you serious? Like, I find what shows up uh, in these statements and printed in the media, I find them often laughable, but they're not because so many people believe it. And here we go further and further down this path. Um, I just want to highlight briefly one other example of totalitarianism, and that is uh, Calvary Chapel in San Jose, California. Um, they wanted to open um, because Governor Newsom was extending for so long, I think more than any other state in the country, with COVID lockdowns, and, and these Christians wanted to meet at Calvary Chapel, San Jose. Well, anyway, eventually through all of this, the U.S. Supreme Court steps in twice in favor of Californians able to have church services, including Calvary Chapel of San Jose. But the county doesn't like this. So this is, again, just a clear example of, of uh, well, I believe both totalitarianism creeping in, but also Marxist ideology, although we don't have time to unpack the Marxist piece today. But anyway, the county is now insisting that the church must pay $3.8 million dollars in fines for when they were open, even though the Supreme Court twice said that they were within their constitutional rights, their religious rights to be meeting. Um, and this is what's interesting to me. It does carry a, a creepy tone. And um, and I'm just going to read this straight from the, from the article uh, from the Family Research Council. It says, California's Division of OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health, knocked on the door with a search warrant adopting the political vendetta as their own. Quote, they got a warrant from the court to come investigate and interrogate the employees. Pastor Mike McClure added that the in investigation is not just the typical OSHA stuff, but explores every aspect of the church's COVID policies, including a Christian school run by the church. The county is on a fishing expedition for something they can use to punish the church. We are constantly under this watchful eye, Pastor McClure said. 
And so things have shifted, and we kind of have this uh, this draconian feel or atmosphere that's been encroaching upon us in different ways. And I, I see this as continuing in 2022, if not accelerating. Yeah, I do too. And I think that, you know, when you look at, um, you know, um, where the government seems to be headed with all of this, that it's logical. I mean, I, I wonder, because you've, they're, they're, there are voices out there that are crying for um, an end to tax exemption for churches. And so you, you never, you know, like I, I, I expect this is going to get worse. It feels like it's going to. There's there's all kinds of um, facets to the harassment that, that um, churches are experiencing. And it's stunning to me that in um, defiance of the Supreme Court, you know, there's still they're still finding ways to harass that church. And it's not just that church. There's so many um, across the country that have experienced similar sorts of things um, in, the, in the past couple of years. And it just doesn't seem to be um, anything but harassment. You know, if a liquor store can stay open, um, why couldn't a church? You know, I mean, like it just like some of these things just felt just very targeted toward Christians and um and um, and they're kind of relentless, you know. They're just coming back at them a different way, you know. And it just it's, it's sad, but um, I don't see that I don't see that stopping. It, it just looks. I think we have to be ready to live through, you know, what could be very difficult times in that regard. Right. Well, I think that kind of is a sobering warning statement that sort of concludes the the main part of this podcast. I do want to. Uh, play that um, that Mario Murillo clip, the, a longer clip than what was at the beginning of this podcast, because um, it's just a great word that he has for us here as we head into 2022. Um, but just, just to summarize where we've been today, uh, we didn't actually get to very much uh, responding in faith. Here's practically what to do. But I think if you listen to this podcast or reflect upon it, and think about it, when we're warning you of certain things, that probably means that we want to do the opposite of whatever we were warning you about and, um, and leading us down a better path and to ask God about it. So, so in that way, I want to encourage everybody to respond in faith. But again, in summary, we looked at three warnings from Amos. There's corrective judgments that lead to final judgment. America has experienced many corrective judgments. We need to be seeking God, crying out to God, doing God's will because of the potential of uh, a final judgment uh, on our nation. And then, um, and then, secondly, from Amos, we talked about um, just religious activity and. Uh, the ego worship, as you uh, read there, uh, Laura. And we look at all kinds of things. It's like, are we really in line with God? Are we really doing what, what Jesus did and talked about? Are we really, really following the scriptures? Are we really surrendered? Are we really willing to suffer and do the hard things? So there was all of that that, that uh, were warnings here in this podcast. And then the third one from Amos was was simply just the material prosperity. That does not mean we're blessed by God. It could be that we're drunk on our material prosperity and need to need to repent and uh, to realize that there are, like there was for Israel, divine consequences. And then Laura and I shifted from Amos, and we talked about uh, false teachers, false prophets, and in some cases, um, I would say some of them are just misguided. I, I, I don't, I see them teaching a lot of good things on other topics. So, not all of them 
Um, I believe are lost and without Christ. Um, I believe that they're misguided, though, and that we have to be very clear on this topic of, is America got a, a promised blessing of revival and a great awakening and the greatest move of God ever without without even talking about any difficulty or repentance? Is that really what the scriptures teach? And I tried to identify key passages about nations in covenant with God that God did judge them. Because we're in covenant, we're not less responsible for our actions. We are more responsible for our, our actions. And then uh, in this last area, we in some ways circled back to some previous podcasts and that there is really something going on globally. I believe it has to do with Daniel 7, the, the terrifying beast that engulfs the whole earth before Jesus return. And we need to be thinking about that, understanding that, recognizing it, standing against the lies of uh, that come out of totalitarianism. We need to be standing with Christ in righteousness against evil, wickedness, and lies as we head into 2022. So with that said, let's play this final clip of Mario Murillo. Preachers missed it in 2019. They missed what 2020 was. Now, as soon as the pressure is lifted, look at them. They're reverting back to the words, the conferences, the focus, the emphasis that fooled them before. And I look at them and I said, you were fooled by that before. Everybody getting together to give each other words from the Lord is a waste of time and energy. Everybody getting together to pray for America and and getting words from God, how to spare the nation. There it is. That isn't God. And so I feel in 2022 is a year of repentance. This is no time for people to go back and do all the silly things they were doing that fooled them before. 2022 is a year of repentance and a year of God giving us marching orders. Wow, Laura, that's powerful stuff. Um, any, Any closing thoughts here as we wrap up? Yeah, I, I think that what Mario Murillo is telling us is so important for us to really hear. And I think that, you know, I think at the end of the day, the thing that we really have to do is is seek him, like be in communion with the Lord and really hearing his voice. Um, we can't hide behind religion or what's been comfortable or convenient, and we can't make assumptions. We have to really know the word and we've got to really listen to the Lord. It's imperative and, and it's the only way that we're gonna navigate through the times ahead. Mm-hmm. That's a good closing word. And uh, I wanna thank everybody for joining us. And uh, I look forward to being with you next time on Insights. <laughs>